Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and joining me tonight is not only Josh Cacho, but a man who I've heard that we need to introduce as the man who is tied with Man City for Champions League wins. <laughs> the, the estimable Joe Lowry on the Counterpress. Here he is. Joe, how are you? I'm doing great, Kirk. Thank you so much for having me on. That is accurate. I have I've won exactly as many Champions Leagues as Pep Guardiola has in about the last week or so. And That's an I must incredible say, feat. Uh, it's it's one of my greatest career accomplishments. No, seriously, Kirk, Josh, thank you guys for having me on. Yeah. Um, no, I, we were we were telling Joe right before we got on air. We're both a little bit starstruck. Um, I, I, I we're just thrilled to have you, Joe. <laughs> we're, uh, we're thrilled to have you. We feel like uh, what you've been talking about in The Athletic or what you did publishing The Athletic uh, married up really well with what Josh and I have been talking about on the show for months now. Um, and we decided that we wanted a little bit of help putting numbers to that and and getting you know a third set of eyeballs um, on what we're seeing. So again, thank you so much for joining. Um, Josh, do you want to say something in terms of <laughs> a greeting here? Because normally we, we kick it over to you first. No, I mean, I think the big thing is as we look, as we kind of explore this first tragic start to the season for LAFC, um, it's been, I think the hardest thing for Kirk and I to do is kind of step back and remove our emotions from what's been happening over the last few weeks. And it's now we're happy to have someone that, you know, can can provide a little bit more of a, uh, what's the word, more of a objective view over what's been happening more than anything else. Yeah, I'll certainly try to get there. It's hard, and I sympathize with you guys because you you watch these games and you're so deep into what's happening and, and going over the nitty-gritty. And I try to do that stuff too, but you're right. I don't have that same emotional tie to to a team like this, especially when it's a team that has such high expectations, deservedly so, year after year. I mean, this team has done some pretty impressive things in this league already in its young existence. I don't have the same the same bias necessarily to watching these games. And so, yeah, I'm excited to dig into maybe why this season hasn't been quite what most folks, myself included, expected it to be so far. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for coming on. Just to give you a little bit of a, a, a little bit of context on what Josh and I have been talking about a lot. And it started kind of last year. We started to notice things um, with the midfield specifically um, and, also, also from the fullbacks, we weren't really sure what Bob was trying to do, whether he was trying to go more the Man City approach where you're getting you know, more creativity and, uh, and attacking play from your midfield, or if it was kind of the Liverpool model of let's, let's release the fullbacks a little bit more and let them do some of the, the, the creating and have a more journeyman-like midfield. Um, and I don't think Josh and I have settled on, on what the approach is from LAFC here. But we've noticed that it has changed this year. And essentially, there's for us, there's two things. You have four players who are kind of expected to do a lot of the creating. Um, and that's, you have, you know, your left back, your right back, and your two eights slash tens in the midfield. Um, especially when Vela and Rossi are off the field for injuries or whatever it is at the, you know, at the time. And, um, we feel like that's where they're not like, that's where the disconnect is because defensively they've been good. Uh, they haven't been allowing many goals, but once you get into the attacking third, they just kind of look aimless and like they're not able to get the right service into, into whoever's playing striker that week. And then the, the second thing is we feel like they're playing much more direct this year off the turnover. Mm -hmm. So not, 
not Red Bulls, but you know, we're going to counter press and we're going to turn the ball over and look for an immediate, an immediate pass. And if, if we can play a vertical ball, then we're going to play it. But that's kind of where we are. And we kind of feel like we don't know if it's the personnel that doesn't match up or, or what it is. So Dr. Joe, t- take it away. <laughs> so it's a big, this is a big topic, right? There's a lot to this, right? There's the, the offensive side of it. There's the defensive side of it. And then you got the transitions as well. Tossing the personnel and the injuries you mentioned there, Kirk. I mean, this season has been, it's been weird in that regard because you start out and you get 22 minutes of Carlos Vela. And I think as soon mm-hmm. as that happens, some of the game plan changes, not necessarily stylistically, but in terms of a positional alignment, I think things change because LAFC come out this season against Austin and it's a 4-3-3, right? It's the same mm-hmm. shape we've come to expect. I mean, Bob Bradley's used that every single game, I believe, for the last two years. I think it was back in 2019 that that there was some tinkering with the with the positional alignment, which again, I want to be clear, doesn't, doesn't indicate a stylistic change. It's just a change in, in right. how you're trying right. to go about that style. But when Carlos Vela goes down over the next few games, we start to see a different shape. Instead of that 4-3-3, we see a 3-5-2. We saw it in the in the first half against the Galaxy, and then we saw it again the following week and, and maybe even a couple other times since then. The lines are a little blurry, but you've got Tristan Blackman coming alongside Eddie Segura and Jesus Murillo instead of playing as that right back opposite Diego Palacio. So things have changed this year early on in a way that I don't think – I don't think LAFC was necessarily ready to change them. And I thought there were a lot of good things about that 3-5-2 shape. Defensively, man, that, that's been a constant theme for me watching this team this year. They're so strong defensively. And there have been mistakes uh, on a set piece against NYCFC recently. I'm not saying they've been perfect, but they've done so many things well. And that kind of gets to, to a point that I think you made there, Kirk. It seems to me that this team is being a little bit more direct than they have in years past, not just off the turnover, but they play long from goal more than I can remember. And this is something I should dig into Mm -hmm. uh, because I don't have the numbers on me to back that up. But I was just watching their game against NYCFC and and they're so willing to just play that long ball and, and to live off of those second balls in a very Liverpool type of way. Where in the past, at least in my head, and this might be wrong. This might just be how I'm remembering it now. But in my head, they were more Man City. And now I think using those two teams as the example, they've shifted more towards that Liverpool curve. They're still possessing. They're still using the ball. But maybe they're not being quite as creative with it as they once were in, you know, as a way to accommodate for them being a little bit more direct. And that could be part of why they're not creating the same amount and the same quality of chances that we're used to them creating in years past. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up the long ball because this is another thing that Josh and I have talked a lot about is Pablo Cisniego's feet. Um, last year uh, they had Vermeer in place and it was like this this carousel um, where it felt like they oscillated between we want Vermeer in there because he's he's good with his feet, uh, the whole Dutch profile, right? And then uh, Cisniega, we wanted him in there because of his shot stopping. But when Josh and I, Josh and I are always texting each other during the games – as everybody does. Um, and it's always like, here's another bizarre goal kick where Pablo Cisniega and Eddie Segura are standing over the ball and Cisniega will toe poke it to Segura and then Segura just boots it long. It's like, what What are we doing? Like, why Why are we not setting this up? They're they're reluctant in, to, to play it back to Cisniega's feet. Um, and when they do, it's always just, you know, they, it's never short passes to build out of the back again. It's, it's, you know, just, it's hoofing it long. And then like you said, either trying to bring down that ball or, or counter pressing once, once they lose it. But Josh, did you have yeah. something there? Yeah. I mean, I think we saw this, I think it was in the U S Switzerland game, right? Where 
in where you know Burhalter's always wanted to play from the back and play through you know it's that the possession heavy but then when anytime they bring that ball back to Horvath he's just hoofing it 60 like just across like downfield as long as possible there's not that willingness to let the defense close down move it from side to, to get them to shift from side to side right so Sisniega every time the ball moves back to him it's either a long ball or he, Actually, it's really just only a long ball. There's not that sense of I'm going to let the defense come to me to draw it one way, one direction or another. Now play that ball out wide to one of the you know to one of the center backs who's flared out or to a fullback a little bit deeper to cause a, a lateral shift in the defense, right? Because what we're seeing a lot of is when we're seeing teams defending against LAFC, they're able to just sit in a bank of you know. At times, it just seems like a bank of six along the back line or in a straight 4-4-2. They're not moving. They're not really stressed left to right. So when you're not being stressed laterally, your only way to to try and play over is to go over the top, right? Which is what we've probably seen a little bit more of. And I don't know if that's a factor of just them not trusting... Cisnega to be able to make that play, to move it out wide so to draw the to draw it, or if the fullback can't make that pass either. Um, because that that's where it's like, you know, you'll see what when you know, whether it's Liverpool or or, you know, it's Allison or Ederson or one of these goalkeepers that can that's effectively playing with their feet. They can manipulate the defense one way or the other, and then we can switch play. And then now you have the Rossi running free on that side in you know, one on one. Whereas now it seems like most teams can just sit in, you know, they'll set the twos defensive mids in between the back four and where are you gonna go with it? You know, you're trying to thread the ball in through the tightest of spaces and then those margins just don't come off, you know, and if you're not perfect, it's not going to work, which is, I think, where you saw early in the season. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that LAFC is struggling with, and this is not just them, there are other teams in MLS that are dealing with similar issues. They're struggling with balance and finding a way to balance that desire to play a little bit more direct and to be aggressive and to, and to retain that same counter-pressing direct physical identity that they've had since the start because that's mm-hmm. that's been a theme under Bob Bradley one of the things that made them so good and in, in, in contention for one of the best MLS teams of all time was that counter-pressing ability they, they would possess 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 then counter-press and do that all over again and they just smother you and they'd have you sit back and you couldn't breathe if you're the other team that that's what it looked like for LAFC's opponents and I think they're trying to keep that same idea but it's hard to balance that. And it's hard to balance that, especially when your personnel has been a little bit wacky, right? When you've had injuries and you're still maybe not working with that exact nine profile that you'd like. And I, I don't know if that's true. That's just me speculating. Maybe Bob's happy with with the number nine situation right now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to balance the the possession with the direct play, with the physicality, with the pressing, with the energy. That's so hard to do. And I think that's one of the things that's made Liverpool maybe less so this year, but certainly in years past such an elite team in the Premier League and in Europe is their ability to flip the switch or or not even that, but when they do flip the switch to have two things come on simultaneously, to have the quality on the ball and the, the patience, but also the speed to break teams down when they face a low block like they do so often in the, in the Premier League, but also to be able to press and press and press and win balls and play like that heavy metal clop style that we know right. we also like. So it's just hard to marry those two things together. And I think we're seeing some of those early season growing pains from LAFC as they try to figure out what are the right moments to play out? What are the right moments to play long? How do we break blocks? Do we want to go more direct? I mean, that's so many factors and trying to figure out which factor to pull out in any given moment, I think is challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I, a lot of people in the LAFC circles are, you know, they're complaining about, Oh, we need a, we need a better number nine. And I, I don't think, 
Um, I don't think Danny Musovsky is the answer. I don't think Corey Baird was brought in to be your starting striker either. Um, obviously, Dio and, and BWP leave massive holes in that position when they when they yeah. left. Um, so, and, and to be quite honest with you, Joe, I don't I don't know what they're looking for either. Uh, we've seen we've seen so many different players come in. So started out with Margot Arena, right? Who not not a goal super goal dangerous striker but very good uh playmaker right always always looking to assist christian ramirez comes in who's more of a fox you know the the cliche fox in the box even though he wasn't a super technical finisher dio comes in and he's he's i think the most complete guy we've seen in terms of uh his ability to to play in combinations to finish uh his ability to go full 90 um when not injured and then bwp obviously is just he's uh one of the best to to play in mls at that position so it it is it is kind of again to go back to the carousel thing it's like we don't really know what they're looking for either i maybe they don't know i don't is there is there a profile you think that they should target with that at that position i think, I think- that spot requires movement in the box and it really requires that that movement mm-hmm. in the inside the 18 because you have so many other players like i, I guess i'm saying the marco arena type doesn't feel quite as necessary to me right now right i think right you're you're better off allowing atuesta and mark anthony k and blessing and sifuentes to progress the ball and you have really two quality center backs and toss and tristan black I mean, maybe into that center back group as well mm-hmm. You have players who are capable of progressing the ball in the middle. I, I think that's that's the case with the roster they have. So I'm not as concerned about having a nine if I'm LAFC who can drop in and help me get into the attacking half and into the final third. I really want a player who can create separation in in the box and inside the six-yard box or whatever that may be. I'm looking for more of a fox in the box. And ideally, I want that that movement in the box, that Chris Wondolowski type, to mm-hmm. be able to run and press defensively. Because I think that's, that's the ideal positional mold you want. BWP, but you want BWP who can run. Maybe BWP from five, six, seven years ago. I yeah, think that's right. the player you're looking for. And I, I don't. I agree with you, Kirk. I don't think that's Corey Baird based off of his profile. He's much more getting behind and I think less precise with his movement in the mm-hmm. box. But I, it, it's hard to imagine a player. I, I it just it really does depend on who they go out and get because I think they could make a number of different profiles work. But that one that I described, I think, would work best in this system right now. Yeah, yeah. That I, I think. I think a lot of people will be agreeing with you on that, Joe. That seems to be, uh, I mean, it's Twitter, so take it with a grain of salt, of course. But uh, <laughs> that seems to be the, the prevailing thought is the true number nine is what we always hear. We need a true number nine. Um, and I feel like that's typically what people mean is just somebody who is going to be a finisher and and very efficient with their movement around the goal. So, I mean, to um, be fair... We had, you know, with Christian Ramirez, right? You didn't get the goal production, but his movement did something to allow Vela the space to operate, you know, in terms of just mm-hmm. being in the right yeah. space at the right yep. time, right? You didn't get the finished product, right? So, you know, he misses a sitter at Seattle. He misses the goals that a couple of the ones that you're like, man, like that's the difference between winning a championship and going home in the playoffs, you know, which is why that ultimately I don't think worked out. But his movement, I think, can't be denied especially because when you think the games that he started in 2019 was when la was lafc was probably at their at their best in their best form right dio came back and you know did his thing but almost was better in that super sub role 
to come in and just make those charging runs when when the defense is already run ragged by the way that you're playing in the first in the first half with with your movement with the pressing all those different things then you come in and you bring in a guy that who can just wear you down physically um but then you head into this next year and then you saw a little bit of this discord trying to kind of fit Brian Rodriguez into that into that same spot at the end of the last year and that's to me where it seemed like things started to go in the wrong direction right where you're trying to make a guy who, you know, like, yeah, he, he's got some talent. looks like he's been doing stuff, you know, like when he's with Uruguay, but hasn't quite figured it out. But then obviously the the three don't mesh. And all, I think almost, Kirk and I talked about this, that he, the way that, I mean, um, Rodriguez's best moments are a bit redundant with what Rossi does. Like he, the things that he does best is almost too similar to Rossi to be effective when all three are on the field at the same time. Yeah, it's hard to stack, and this is a problem, I think, with Corey Baird as well. There's an ideal world where you have three winger types in, in Vela mm-hmm. and Rossi and even Brian Rodriguez. They do different things, and Corey Baird does different things than Diego Rossi and Carlos Vela do now. But it, it's hard to get all three of those skill sets to mesh at the same time. And right now with LAFC, it's hard to do that because they just haven't played together a whole lot. I mean, right, up till right. a, a week or so ago, or a, a couple weeks back when I wrote that article, Rossi and Vela had played just a tiny number of minutes together this season. I think like 60-something when I wrote that. So mm-hmm. obviously they, they've gotten more time together since then, but it's hard to fit these different profiles into a cohesive front line. I think that's something we're seeing right now, whether that's last year with Brian Rodriguez and Rossi and Vela all trying to, to work together or that's this year with with Baird and Rossi and Vela. It, it's hard to get those guys on the field together. Not that it's impossible, not that I don't think it can be done even even well. I think it can be. It's just challenging to do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I think one of the things that your article did such a great job of of highlighting, Joe, is, again, it's not just people saying, oh, well, we're not seeing goals. We're not seeing this. Like you actually go into the stats. I'm going to, I'm going to quote a few of them back to you. So I, if I, if you feel like I'm putting you on the spot, just tell me to stop and we'll move on to something (laughs) else. Uh, But you talked to, you mentioned in 2020, uh, they had 1.89 XG per 90, uh, which was second in MLS in 2019, they had 2.27 XG per 90, which is kind of absurd. Um, Uh, which was the best in MLS. And then this year it's only 1.3. So, I mean, for, for LAFC fans, we were just thrilled to see those numbers (laughs) like presented and by somebody else, like Josh said at the beginning, where it's not just us saying, Hey, there's not, there's not enough danger being created. Um, Do do you have any ideas on anything else, any other ideas on why they, might not be creating that or do you feel like we've covered most of that with the kind of the talk about the front three i think i think we've covered most of it but one other thing i want to get at is just how at times the 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 final third work from lafc in possession has been a little bit stagnant right we've talked Mm -hmm. about how they are at times trying to get there more direct and and do all that kind of stuff but there's room still and this has improved to to give a little bit of a, a light at the end of the tunnel I think NYCFC was a, a much better attacking game from LAFC. We saw that. I think it was a 14-pass sequence for that mm-hmm. goal. I mean, it's, it's just a beautiful – it's a classic LAFC goal. That's a Bob Bradley LAFC goal, yeah. and it was beautiful, right? And that was the pinnacle. That was the best example of this team doing better things with the ball. But at times in past games, and Bob Bradley's even said this, it's too stagnant. We're not having enough runs off the ball. We're not threatening enough with our movement. I think that's a problem both in terms of off-ball movement and on-the-ball movement, rotating the ball in the final third – 
on that goal that LAFC scored against NYCFC, it comes from this horizontal ball movement. And Josh, I think you, you talked about this earlier. You move the ball side to side at speed, and that splits the opposing gap. That splits the opposing defensive block. It creates gaps mm-hmm. in their shape that you can then play through. That might be out wide uh, where they can't shift fast enough, or it might be in between two defenders, and you can play a little ball through there and then and then cross it in the box. But I think those moments need to – we need to see more of those moments from LAFC to get back to where they've been in the past statistics-wise and in terms of the output that they're they're generating. But there is hope. Like, like we've seen that this team can do it. I, I'm not writing them off at all. But being uh, playing with a little bit more urgency on and off the ball in the final third I think would go a long way. Yeah. You know, I, I think I, I want to give you like a specific shout-out because your article talks about also like a lack of movement, especially in the midfield – from from K and Blessing and Sifu. Um, and that goal that you're describing, it's it's Rossi pops up on the right wing. It's, you know, during one of those switches and Rossi's all the way to the right, which is not necessarily where we always see Vela. Um, Rossi picks up the ball. I don't remember who it was from after that passing sequence. And K makes a run in between the, I don't, I can't remember. I think it was still the back five. So at this point it's between the wing back and the left center back. K makes that run and Rossi plays him in and then they're in on goal. Um, and I mean, that's like you called that weeks ago, right? Is that's what's missing is that movement from the midfield. Um, I, do you, and again, this is what Josh and I have been talking about for a long time that it, it's not always there when you have the blessing K combo. Um, I think, I, I think a lot of times because blessing is just pressing so like so frantically everywhere that's like his best that's like one of his best qualities right is the engine and just he's always on the move in the press that k i don't know if he has to be more stagnant to cover for him or or what but you see the difference when they finally do start making those runs at at how dangerous lafc can be but and it's been interesting this year because I've noticed Mark Anthony K playing as the six, playing as a deepest central midfielder more often mm-hmm. than I've ever noticed him doing in that in the past. It's been so they do that it, when they're in the back three. It's it's K at the six. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it was K at the six, and then Cifuentes and Atuesta as the two eights in that that one two midfield shape, which is the same mm-hmm. central midfield shape, whether right. it's the three five two or the or the four three three. But you're right; the personnel seems to swap there, and that's even happened in other little rotational moments. I think throughout the season, regardless of what that shape looks like. But that's another interesting wrinkle. Like, I have these questions, and I don't know if if Bob Bradley's talked about that or, or, or what, but I wonder a little bit why that's been happening, of, of why Cave shifts deeper. Because the way I see it, at least, is... And I guess this is me kind of going off on a tangent, but this is just something I've been thinking about. Tangent has, away, my friend. <laughs> appreciate it. Kay has that line-breaking ability with his passes. His, his distribution from deep is wonderful. He could have been mm-hmm. that six since day one, Right. I, I don't think like he could have done that job. I think as well as Atuesta could have done that job, mm. but maybe not quite. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but there are similarities there. But then you push Atuesta higher up the field. And I almost wonder if he has the same quality between the lines, like between the midfield and defensive lines for the other team as Mark Anthony K does. And so I just have these questions like what's what's the motivation behind that switch? And then what's the motivation behind swapping blessing in, in Sufuentes? Like why has that change happened as LAFC have shifted back to the four through three? Because it, I could be wrong, but certainly against NYCFC, and I believe in the game before that, it was Sifuentes starting over Latif Blessing in that three-man midfield. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that could be because Sifuentes brings more quality on the ball, but that's another change. It's another tweak that LAFC has made, whether because they've had to and there's an injury that I don't know about, or just because Bob Bradley thinks that's what's best. There's just more, there's this lack of continuity, I guess, from game to game yeah. in a way that I don't think we've seen before. And, and I guess to get back to your original prompt, Josh, uh, Kirk, excuse me, there's always room 
for more movement, I think, from these midfielders. And on yeah. that goal, we see the benefits of that type of movement. Mm-hmm. So K at the six has been an interesting development because at when Atuesta first came, he was not playing as a six. And this right. is another thing Josh and I have been talking about for a few weeks. So again, <laughs> you're speaking our language. Uh, he Atuesta was playing ahead of Fail Hyber and sometimes even, even Lee Wynn um, playing further up the field. And he, he was okay, but then when he when he was pushed further back in the field once Failhaber left and they went to this kind of single pivot role, that's when he just kind of exploded on the scene. Um, and if you ask me, I think I think K does look more comfortable. I, I do agree. I think his passes from deep are they. I think they tend to be more accurate. I, I don't know if it's because he picks his spots more. Maybe when he's closer to goal, he's a little bit. Like God, I can I can see it. I'm going to try and play it, and he turns over the ball more. Um, but I mean, even Atuesta when he's pushed higher, I think you're you're 100 right. He doesn't look as comfortable as he does in that more regista esque role uh, from deep. Um, between you and me, Joe, and all the LAFC fans, uh, <laughs> I think I think they are looking at K as a, as a replacement to Atuesta, yeah. so they can sign Ross Barkley as the next eight. But. <laughs> The most makes, wishful of thinking. The most. Wishful I was gonna say, is thinking. that is that real? Am I missing something? No. I mean, that'd be no, awesome. No. First of all, that'd be so no. fun. Um, uh, I, I, <laughs> I I I've had been hyping this this DP idea for a, a couple of weeks, and I, <laughs> Josh I just I just talked about it. Josh. Well, Josh is a Liverpool fan, so he hates the oh, Barkley. Oh, I see. Yeah, was at Everton, so Josh okay. is not on board. I don't care. He's wrong. <laughs> Um, I do, I do, Kirk. Though I do agree with you, if not on the Ross Barkley DP side, um, <laughs> on on Mark Anthony K is the six. I'm kind of playing this game now when I watch other teams in MLS, playing this game of when Atuesta leaves because it's going to happen and it probably should have mm-hmm. happened by now in terms of just yeah. this, this team's roster cycle. I'm not complaining because I love watching the guy, but I play this game of you know who could come in and do this job. Maybe not quite as well, maybe slightly differently. But Jackson Yule is a guy I always come back to with the earthquakes, even though he plays a lot, a much different role for Matias Almeida. But Jackson Newell's a guy, and, and Santiago Sosa is a guy, I think, for Atlanta who would fit so well in that single pivot mm. role for Atlanta. But I think Mark Anthony K might be the best guy. And Bob Bradley knows that, right? I don't think that's the issue. I don't think that's the issue with swapping those two players. Mark Anthony K is so smooth on the ball. His left foot is just so nice. I, I enjoy watching him at that spot pretty much as much as Atuesta. But it is puzzling to me because you do lose some of that ability higher up the field. And I, I wonder yeah. if this is just to groom the team for what's coming, but that doesn't seem especially logical because you need to, you need to win games now, right? You need to win these games now. So it's interesting. Right. It's certainly at this point, I mean, they're, uh, the season is not going well. Uh, so <laughs> they're going to have to, they, they have to move into win now mode eventually. Um, Josh, you've been looking like you wanted to jump in here first. For well, I mean, I think initially, right. We, the, I think the, with the injuries to Vela, at the beginning of the season, right? They're they're looking for some kind of creative spark. And for whatever reason, you know, like you just didn't have, like because now the focus is on K to make that that pass into the half space with so much less time because you don't have that gravity that Vela brings. Like the walking gravity stat is probably one of my Hmm. favorite things that I've ever heard someone talk about. I think it was from Stats Bomb when they're talking about Messi, how much he, like him just walking around, it pulls defenses left or right. And you see it in the, not this game, but the one previous, the Colorado game, where Vela just kind of walks to the side and you just see the defense have to shift a little bit, which gives K just that extra second to be able to turn and play and play a ball 
you know, with, you know, that he normally wouldn't have. And I think Atuesta had, my guess is like early in the season without Bella there is that Atuesta pro- my, seems to be cleaner in terms of being able to make the turn quickly and then make the pass without looking. Right. Whereas K, you see him having to be a little bit more deliberate, which is where I think he thrives as a six because there's so much more space in front of him before he's usually closed down. Right. Unless you have like that, that who is it? Fabio Alvarez from the galaxy who would just float around and bother Atuesta that during those games or like their 10 just kind of just is there just to be an anti anti, you know, the, just to just mess with the regista. But generally I think K with time, right. Has that quality to be able to play some nice, the passes, but in, in a smaller amount of space, I, it's almost like, I don't think I can, that's, that's where I think it breaks down a little bit. Right. Because you see in the games, against the Galaxy specifically, I, I remember getting so frustrated because you just see him and Latif make the turn and then just boot the ball into Joe Corona, who's just standing there, mm. and it just bounces. Now, then you have that deflection that now gets everything going the other way. And because your push-up's so high, you're, you know, you have, who's the left winger that just, Pavone is now one-on-one, you know, with, with Tristan Blackman or something along that line, right, which is never going to end well. And so that's where I feel like you had a little bit of that you know, in the absence of Vela being able to now draw defenders to give the midfield more time to make to make a play, you have to have someone who's a little bit quicker on the ball. And I think that's probably where Atuesta came in and was able to do that. But I think, like everyone, you guys are both saying, with K being groomed for that position potentially, it it seems like it's something that's going to work out well if if he's given that. You know, like I said, he he can make the pass if given the opportunity to find it. Versus, like I said, it it feels like Atuesta has the eyes in the back of his head to be able to make that that the pass before the pass. And it, it's funny because I, I agree with that assessment, Josh. I absolutely do. It's funny because in my head, especially as someone who's not an LAFC fan, these are champagne problems a little bit, right? Not not <laughs> yeah, everything that we're talking right. about. Not the not the major yeah. chance creation struggles. Like there are real issues with this team, but at the same time, I just have this feeling deep down that that this is going to get fixed, right? The longer mm-hmm. that Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, Atuesta, Mark Anthony K are on the field together, I think the better chance this has to be fixed. And that could be with Mark Anthony K as the six. It could be with him as the eight and Atuesta as the six. It could be Rossi as the nine or out on the left. Vela, I mean, you can go through so many different iterations of those four and add in the, the great pieces that they have around them. Yes, there are holes still, and I'm not, I'm not trying to take away from some of the issues there. But I just have this feeling, especially after watching that NYCFC game, where, yeah, they lose, they drop points at home, and that's a really bad thing. But NYCFC is a good team, and, and LFC largely outplayed them, mm-hmm. in my view, for large stretches of that game. I think this team can turn it around. Like I think this team will turn it around in the not-too-distant future after this upcoming Nations League break, or if not, like at some point late June, early July. They've got time, I think. Yeah, yeah, I... That's, I mean, there, there is time. Yeah, I think uh, you're out of the supporter shield race at this point. Sure. But, um, you know, it's, it's like the old Seattle model, right? You just <laughs> slog through the first month or two. Uh, nope. And then as long as you make the playoffs and you peak at the right time, you'll be okay. Then um, it's worked out okay for them so far. Um, I, think, I think a lot of LAFC fans are just in this weird spot where it's like, hey, we've never sucked before. So Sure, yeah. <laughs> like a lot of people don't know how to handle that. And so I think help. I think when you point out something like, hey, um, 
you know, the, the XG is down, but it's not bad. Or uh, they looked competent against a good NYCFC uh, team on Sunday. So it's, it's not terrible. There, there are signs of life there and they're, they're building blocks. Um, hopefully that can help ease some, ease some people's fears. <laughs> well, I mean, I think one of the frustrating things is uh, that we're, at this point, we're not allowed to say that Mark Anthony K played a great game for 90% of the game and then had one bad move that now everyone is ready to, mm-hmm. you know, hit him with the macho man elbow from the top rope to finish him off because <laughs> I can't go there. I mean, like, you know, like we, we've been critical of K, you know, like I said, in terms of just being able to be like, you know, is he Kevin De Bruyne? No. Right. right. And, and right. sometimes I think that's what we're like. Sometimes I think that that's what Bob asks of him at times. You know, like Bob wants Vela to be, you know, to be messy. messy. He wants, yeah. you know, he yeah. wanted Christian Ramirez to be Roberto Firmino. Like they're not those guys, but we can aspire to be as close to it as possible, you know, within the con the confines of the Major League Soccer salary cap. Right. Which is a whole nother topic. Yeah. <laughs> right. But. Mm-hmm. To be, you know, like I said, I think sometimes, like I said, I think that's where it helps to have that more objective view because, like I said, it's it's you see the vitriol right now, and it's it's easy for everyone to now say like, "Hey, Kame had had that bad pass, right?" But I'm not sure I saw anyone else trying to loop passes in with his left foot over the top to an on-running Corey Baird earlier in the game, mm-hmm. right? Like he does, he's been doing yeah. making stuff like. This is the the least critical that I think I've been of him in terms of creative mode over over the last three years. Yeah, yeah, right. Like for because I think we he's took a the lot only of heat one last year, Joe. Because we yeah. were saying we were pointing, we would point out like, hey, we we're not sure Kay has it at the CCL like final level. Like hmm. you might you might want to like in the future you might want to bring another midfielder that can that can be bring you a little bit more quality. I think I think the big thing. Sorry, Josh. I know I'm stomping on you here, but he had that big chance in the box against uh, I think it was Tigres, where he had it on his right foot and he took an extra touch to try and bring it on his left and then missed. Um, and Josh and I, Josh and I took a lot of heat for pointing this out. Like, hey, maybe it's not quite there, but in MLS, he's he's great. He's he's good, right? Sorry, Josh. No, I mean, but that's the thing. It's like he he does so many good things, right? Like you pointed out, but like it's it's almost like we're wanting this to become, you know, like you'll see it's like the criticism is always like, well, why can't he be, you know, why, why isn't he doing the same things that we see in Europe? Because if he was doing those things, he'd be in Europe is generally my now retort this year. Maybe it's a bit cynical for me to, to think that way, but I, to be fair, I think most, if, for example, even if with Cisniega, if you had a guy who could sh- stop shots the way he does, but also play with his feet, he's not playing in the Major League Soccer. He's probably playing in La Liga or somewhere else, right? Because that's what's asked of him. He probably right? never left Sociedad, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, like fair. who that's who fair. can really do those things? You know, who's who's good with their that great with their feet in Major League Soccer? Sean Johnson, but he's good also for like two huge gaffes, you know, a season where the, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it's it's. Well, you know, what's the sports center, you know, the clip with like the worst plays of the year type of thing. Like he's good for two yeah, of those also. Top 10, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like he's, you know, so, you know, sometimes I wonder like, are we asked and again, maybe it's a bit cynical, but it's like, are we asking too much? But at the same time, sometimes are we not seeing the quality because we're almost too invested in what, you know, like in, in the team, but then also realize that the, the, the salary cap does a lot to now make that divide really big, right? Between a guy like Kay, who's your 
150 to $200,000 player and a $7 million college fella, the gulf of talent is, is going to be wide, right? But sometimes yeah, I think it's become yeah. it's more apparent than so, others. So, Joe, I, I think I have a question there from you, for you. Are we asking too much? Well, no, I, I don't. I mean, it depends on what you're asking, right, in this specific situation. But <laughs> is Bob think, asking too much of 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 these position of the players in these positions in terms of creativity? Do you think? I don't. I don't think so. And I just kind of had this revelation as Josh has has gone through because I think I think the point that you're making about. Mark Anthony K specifically to go back to him. I guess he's the you know target number one for this conversation. <laughs> he he is not this De Bruyne type. He is not this uber creative number ten type of guy, right? He, he's just not. He can pull strings from deep, but that's a very different skill set than being able to create in the final third and, and to drive, play forward, and really you know make an impact in terms of goal scoring and, and assisting higher up the mm-hmm. field. It's a very different skill set. I, I think we're not necessarily asking too much or Bob isn't asking too much of these guys. I think though, as we're watching and as I'm watching, we might be asking the wrong things from time to time. And this goes back to mm. that discussion we had off the top about Man City, Liverpool. And it's, it's kind of a cliche to use those two teams as these extremes, but it's, it's a good one. And it's easy to think about. I think LAFC in my head in years past, especially I think of them Man City. This is who they are. This is who Bob has molded this team after that, that, you know, 2009, 2010 Barcelona team or whatever it is, that mm-hmm. that Spain era of, of dominance and passing. But realistically, that's not really what this team is. And they do have elements of that. Like you, you borrow different tactical pieces from a lot of different coaches. And they have pieces of that high possession, final third possession dominant style. But really, Mark Anthony Kay and Latif Blessing and Jose Cifuentes, they're not here to be De Bruyne's. They're here to be Winaldo. They're here to be... Jordan Henderson and James Milner. Like that's that's yeah. their role. And it's not yeah. an exact perfect comparison, but we shouldn't be as viewers, we shouldn't be expecting to see Mark Anthony K thread that through ball in behind to Diego Rossi 10 times out of 10. Like he has the quality right. to do it a lot of the times, but mm-hmm. he's not going to do it at this super highly efficient level because I think if you're a European team, you're you're much more interested in Mark Anthony K or, or Latif Blessing especially if you're playing a more direct high pressing style rather than if you're going to own the ball for 70% of games, you know, you're just looking for these players who can press, but also add that little bit of creativity instead of being uber creative, adding that little bit of pressing. So I think it might just have to do with how we think about who this team is, what they play like and who they are from a stylistic standpoint that is kind of affecting our judgment of some of these players. Yeah. So I I know that you, you referred to this as a revelation. So I'm, going to ask a follow on but if if you're not prepared it's okay. No, bring uh, it. Uh do you think if we go with that type of that kind of workman um midfield with Latif and 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 Mark Anthony K, do you think the fullbacks can then pick up the slack that is left behind? The fullbacks be that nice. are in place being Tristan. <laughs> oh gosh. We want optimism here, Joe. Right. Well, I'm just, I'm thinking through it. Revelation, the word I use might've been a bit flattering to myself. And by a bit flattering, I mean a lot flattering. But um, I, I think when you have players, and I, I just, I do want to be clear, Mark Anthony K and Blessing, they can bring value in the final third. Mm-hmm. And they do bring value in those spaces. But yeah, ideally you'd like to have more creative players. I think if I'm building this team, you'd like to have, Diego Palacios providing more of an attacking threat on that left side. I don't think he's been very good this season, to be honest with you guys. No, I don't think he's no, been. I, 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 I think everybody would agree on that. Yeah, and I think even Bob Bradley and the coaching staff would agree with that. Yeah. Right. 
there there have been breakdowns and he just doesn't bring a lot of attacking creativity and and you need a defensive presence sure and i don't know that he's brought that really either but you need <laughs> this you need this element of of firepower you need this creativity in certain areas and i think if your midfield is not always going to be providing it and they can provide some of it but it'd be nice if other players provided some of it too tristan blackman's not going to do that that's not his mm-hmm. role and so then it really is all about that left back spot. Maybe it's Kim Moon Hwan, but I don't think he's at the level that a lot of folks thought he was, maybe myself included, because he's not really playing right now. Maybe there are other factors there, but I don't think he fits exactly what Bob Bradley's trying to do with that right back spot. So you really keep coming back, no matter which path you take to that left back as providing a little bit more oomph in the attack. And we're not seeing it right now. I think it can be done, but I'm not necessarily optimistic that it will be done. Yeah, I think Palacios is kind of a one-trick... Go ahead, Josh. I mean, with that left back, right? You have to think if if Vela is probably is playing that messy role, right? You need a Jordi Alba opposite of him, right? That that can cause the chaos to be able to free up the space and then hit the switch. And you need a right back that's going to stay at home, right? Tristan Blackman that pinches into the midfield and allows that right side of the field to be to have the room to operate, and then occasionally make the run down run down the ends. But I think the one thing that you don't see is Palacios have that ability to either get to the end line and then cut it back or to be able to make the switch necessary to give Vela space to operate on the right side of the field the way that you would from, like I said, from a Jordi Alba um, in terms of that 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 style, if you will. Or that pattern of play is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I, I. I totally agree with you. I think that's a really good way to play it out in our heads. You you have the playmaker on that right side, and he is the playmaker. So you need to create space for him. And how are you going to do that? Well, you'll pinch that right back inside, which I think works really well a lot of times. And I really like mm-hmm. what Bob Bradley does with that right back in that in that Tristan Blackman. But if you're the left back, you have to bring something. And Diego Rossi brings the firepower on that left side. There's no doubt about it. But ideally, even for him to create a little bit of extra space, you have a left back who can threaten a little bit. And to be fair, there aren't a lot of left backs that can do what we're talking about in Major League Soccer. Right. And there really haven't been for quite some time. But it'd be nice, right? It it would be nice. It would make things a lot easier. And so now we're sort of faced with the reality as as we watch LAFC. Those of us that are that are tuning in, you're faced with, okay, well, it's probably not going to happen. The creativity is not necessarily going to come from that left back spot. So it does put more pressure on the players we've already talked about to maybe do things that they don't exactly, that don't exactly fit their skill sets. And that might be why we're seeing some of these attacking breakdowns. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess when I watch Palacios, it lo- it's kind of a, he's kind of a one trick pony in the attack. Um, if he can get around the, the, the opposing right back, he can get to the, to the line and cut back a decent ball. But he's not going to play in a looping early cross. He's not going to play in, you know, the 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 ball across the six. Um, so I, I I'm I'm 100 there with you, man. Well, I mean, but um, the thing, right? That's that when LAFC is at their best, it's Jordan. It was Jordan Harvey on the left, who's not exactly a burner down the line, and Stephen Bateshore pinching inside, yeah. being steady, right? Like Harvey got down to the end, but it was. He did. He his positioning and his movement is exactly what's necessary to now free up Rossi to have that space, right? And Harvey does hit a probably a better ball than Palacios, and probably why fight why Farfan has played as much as he had is because you do get a little bit more of that that looping cross that that drops into the box at the feet of you know either an on running you know like as Bear drops into midfield and now makes that direct run down the middle. 
there's something there or you can play it to the to Rossi's feet and now that opens up Vela mm-hmm. to come inside right but I think that's the biggest line you know, like I said if if the biggest difference is like you look at the difference between Harvey and Palacios right Palacios has all the talent in the world and all the athletic ability in the world but Harvey just did a few more things that opened up space and that's I think I'm not quite sure you're you're getting that from, I mean, you're definitely not getting that from Blasas, but I don't know if you're ever going to get it from him. And the question is, with the investment that they made it in him, are they now trying to force it to make the sale worth, I mean, to now make the purchase worth what they paid? Yeah, I mean, that, that could be. And that, that I, I listened to and actually edited this episode, Doing the Dirty Work. Um I, I went through and listened to an episode of Allocation Disorder on the Total Soccer Show feed. Mm-hmm. And Paul and Sam, this was before El Trafico, uh, the first one, I think, this season. Might have, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and, and they were talking about the, the life cycle of this LAFC roster. And in you talking, Josh, about Diego Palacios just made me think, and we've talked about Atuesta already. It's, it's interesting to think about, this is not a tactical thing, but how this roster is going to change and how many of the intricate positional things we're talking about now, they, they could look different. A, a month from now, two months from now, and even more different a year from now. It's it's this has no bearing on our conversation, but I just think through Rossi might be gone and Atuesta might be mm-hmm. gone. The next evolution of LAFC is going to be fascinating to watch how they change. Will Palacios be involved? Will he not be? I don't know, but they are going to have to start making some challenging decisions in terms of purchases they've made and how those players best fit or or maybe best fit somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, I we so that. We did reference that episode of, a few weeks ago because, you know, obviously it's very pertinent to what we do here. Um, and I, I think I think you are right that it, it has to factor into what they're doing. John Thornton's talked about, um, and I think even Bob mentioned it too, that both Atuesta and Rossi were supposed to be to have yeah. been sold by now, and they're kind of holding on. And Brian Rodriguez is in this uh, La Liga Segunda Division, like, purgatory that he's in right now (laughs) he's he like he can't get on the field and they don't want him there he doesn't want to be there he's asking to go back to Penarol so like it's just I I think you are right that there's there's potential for a lot of changes to be made in the future um I guess we're we're coming up on about 50 minutes here Joe so I I want to ask one final question here if if you had like one one thing that you could change about what LAFC is doing right now to to make them, and it could be personnel, it can be a tactic, it can be whatever it is, a principal play. Um, and I, I realized that I didn't prep you for this one. I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine. But no, you're if fine. you if there was one thing that you could do to help them out, what do you think it would be? I think continuing to refine the moments where they are in possession because. I keep circling back to when I think about LAFC, how good defensively they've been this season. They're they're one of the top teams in MLS in terms mm-hmm. of uh, limiting their opponents' chances. They're they're they've allowed some of the fewest expected goals per game in MLS. I think they're fourth right now. I could be wrong, but it's close to that. Mm. So that's that's good, right? That's not yeah, you know that's, that's not best in MLS, but it's very very good, especially for a team that we expect to be dominant offensively, not necessarily defensively. So I think yeah. that's good, and I, I think that part of that might be a byproduct of the the more direct play we see at times. So I don't. If I'm LFC, I don't want to throw that away entirely, but I want to continue to produce more moments like that goal, like that Corey Barrett yeah. goal against NYCFC. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily need all of them to be 14 pass sequences, although as the nerd that I am that likes to watch these games, I would love that to happen. <laughs> let's let's make it 15, right? Uh-huh. But I, I want to see more of these consistent consistent moments in possession, using the ball, 
to do what Josh talked about earlier. Break the blocks down, move it side to side, be precise with your touches. That's one thing I included in that article is how many more balls LAFC are losing because of, of sloppy touches or because of imprecise yeah. moments in key attacking areas. That's going to go down, I think, as the season goes along. But as that decline in turnovers happens, you need to be more effective with the balls that you're keeping, right? And the balls that you're not mm-hmm. losing. And I think there's a real chance for NY, uh, for LAFC, excuse me, to continue the momentum that they started last game a little bit and continue it after the Nations League break. I think they've got FC Dallas and Houston and RSL and Sporting mm-hmm. Kansas City and not, not in that order. But they have games that they can win. Sporting Kansas City will be a tough game, but they have games where they can control the ball and use the moments where they have the ball more effectively. So I think that's the biggest thing I want to see, more precision in the final third, quicker movement on and off the ball to break down opposing defensive blocks because you're going to keep hitting those blocks. That's what teams do when they come into LAFC. Colorado put an extra man in the back line. NYCFC stuck with that five-man back line. Right. We these teams come in and compress space, and if you're LAFC, you have to continue to develop your ability to break through those blocks. Yeah. No, I, I think I think you're you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, that's been the book on on LAFC for a while is yeah. that fifth defender, whether it's Fabio Alvarez for the Galaxy marking Atuesta out, or whether you're Minnesota United and you're putting five at the back with three defensive midfielders in front of them. Um, they've really struggled going back a couple of years now. So um, I think you're spot on there. But Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. Our, um, I I feel funny saying this, like asking you to plug your work on our like little rinky dink show here. Oh like, no, you're too big. I feel like you're too big for that. But the floor is yours to to plug every. I mean, I, you're in like a hundred different places. You're busy, man. <laughs> no, I appreciate I appreciate the the chance to come on. First of all, thank you guys sincerely for having me. This was tons of fun, and I I genuinely enjoyed getting to talk about all this stuff with you guys and, and breaking down the nitty gritty and hearing different perspectives. That's super valuable. Um, keep keep up what you guys are doing because we need more of this. Um, and I need to hear more of this and, and hear more of you guys. So <laughs> I appreciate all that stuff. You guys, uh, for listeners, you can find me on Twitter at Joe C Lowry. Um, I think that's the best place because, because Kirk, you're right. There are a few different things. So if you just head there and you can follow me, you can not follow me, but if you, if you check that feed every once in a while, you'll hopefully find something that you like. Absolutely. Uh, Joe's Joe's analysis is second to none when it comes to MLS, especially. So uh, go. Are you not Joe and Cleats anymore? Did I no, miss a, it was, a it was a big It was a big personal decision, big branding change. No, not really. I just changed it to, <laughs> to actually be my name. It's my my first name, my middle initial, my last name. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, I, I did not <laughs> I did not realize that till just now, so it's a good thing you I said know. something. It, it was a tragic moment for, for me, and, and I'm sure for some other. No, uh, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Easy change, easy change. All right. Well, Joe, thanks again so much. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. You can follow the show at counterpress underscore Josh. LAFC Josh on Twitter. You can hit me up at Kirk Kinsey, and we will talk to you all next time, uh, hopefully after the international break, after a win. Good night. Good night.